Hello there, and welcome to Women of Grit, a podcast that holds space for women to have authentic conversations about our intersectional challenges and where we elevate women's voices, celebrate their strengths, and honor their resilience. I'm your host, Dr. Ann, the Gritpreneur and Woman of Grit. Come on in. We saved a seat at the table for you. Our guest today is award-winning educator, podcaster, and holistic health mentor with over 30 years of experience. She helps women heal and become change makers while being good moms. She runs a parenting and conscious living blog called The Soul Mama Hub and has built large online communities of mothers in England and in Sydney, Australia, where she lives with her family. So let's meet Alina Turley. Hi, Alina. Welcome to Woman of Grid podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. It's always a joy to meet people like you doing this kind of work. Thank you. Let's dive right in with my signature question. I haven't asked this in a couple of episodes. But if you had to choose between passion and perseverance, which would you choose and why? Passion versus perseverance. Yes. I would say passion, even mm-hmm. though my brain is saying perseverance, perseverance, perseverance. My heart is saying passion because I feel like without the passion, the perseverance is not possible. So I think you definitely need both. But if I, if I had to choose one, then start with the passion. That's fair. I have my passion people and my perseverance people. That is just a quick thing. So tell us a little bit about your business and some of the obstacles you encountered along the way. Sure. So my name is Elena Turley. I run a business called The Soul Mama Hub. And I started out with a blog in 2009. And I would say possibly the biggest challenge for me was going from being a free content producer and content creator to actually creating a business. And because I'm purpose-led or passion-led, if you like, and very much focused on the impact of the business for women, I get caught up in how do I make the greatest impact? How do I serve the women in the community the most? And that can sometimes be difficult from a business perspective. So it's about that constant balancing. And I would say the obstacle for me is how do I keep those two in balance? Because unless it's a financially viable business, I can't keep having the impact. Absolutely. They're both equally important and sustainability in terms of business is really important as well. Longevity, if you want to stay in the game, you have to make sure that you are financially supporting yourself. And that aligns also with the values of what I help women with, you know, mental and emotional health, which is a well-being issue. If you're not supported financially, then well-being can't be there, you know. So it's a really interesting balancing act all the time where I'm constantly, like a lot of women, a lot of mothers and a lot of self-employed business owners as well, I imagine, we're constantly weighing up, okay, what's the next priority? How do I do this and do this at the same time and still maintain my own energy, you know? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't stop. It's ongoing. Right. It's ongoing. And I don't know if it's something that's more common among women as nurturers. We want to give, 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 but you have to sustain yourselves. You know, you have to make a living if that's what you want to do full time. You have to make a living doing it. You cannot do it forever for free. And I think it's just a beautiful thing when 
you actually make money doing something you are passionate about. Something you are passionate about is able to sustain you. I think that is just absolutely fabulous. I believe it's a human right, actually, like authenticity. It's a human right. Absolutely. So a lot is said about taking the first step in whatever you do. In the work you do, though, how do you help women not only find confidence to take that step, but ensure it is their, as you put it, next right step towards their dreams? So again, this is a really interesting question, actually. Great question. It's so bespoke. It's so individual and personal. There's no one answer to that question. Mm -hmm. But the foundational principle is if you can help women to find how to center their own needs, you know, even you were saying women are so good at giving, we're conditioned to be that way from a very, very early age. And some of it is also just, I believe, in us. It's kind of biological. We are life givers. That's what we're made to do in a sense, right? So it's part of our DNA. But Mm -hmm. it also is overlaid with layers and layers and layers of conditioning. So what I like to do is let's get really, really clear on what part of this is the part that is genuinely right for us at the moment, that is genuinely what we need, what our soul needs, what our brain needs, what we emotionally need, financially need. How do we center our own needs and put ourselves right at the middle of that story? And that sometimes can take some time and some unraveling. Sometimes it's the health thing, you know. I can do this on a on a daily level personally. I can do it weekly, mm-hmm. monthly, annually. You know, it's a process that we constantly are investing in, I suppose. Right. How do we remember and create practices that support us to center what we need deeply, superficially, on all levels? And then once we start to work that out, and it might start with something really basic like sleep. You right. Know, it might be that we're not even getting to bed at the right time or waking up at the right time. So it might be picking the thing that we find the hardest and start with that. You go, okay, well, what's the thing that I'm never good at? That's my challenge for this week. You know, let's look at that for seven days. So we might start just with the fundamental health perspective. Some people have already done that. They're already onto it with their health and their fitness and their mental fitness. But then we'd move on and go, okay, well, so how are your relationships? How are your relationships with your kid? How do you feel about your parenting? How do you feel about your relationships, intimate relationships or friendships or family? And then we might move on to how do you live in your home? Are you happy with how your home is? Is it cluttered and stressful or can you simplify it? Does it support your values for the planet? Is there ways we can just set up a compost, start making more food from scratch? Really simple things that you can bring into practical use every day. So I go through a five-step program and you can go as deep or as shallow in each stage of that program as you need. So I think one of the things that's really important for women is that I work with anyways, that it's bespoke, that it's actually not generic. That's right. one of the key things that I really place high on the priority is we make this bespoke because there's so much out there. You can go on YouTube, you can go on TikTok, you can find information. There's information right. everywhere. Information is not the issue. We can access right. whatever we want, but how do we know what to access and when? And I think my gift is actually knowing where to point people or knowing what to say that's right for that moment. That's the thing that I really love to do. Right. So the next right step makes sense. Now, what I'm hearing from that answer, you talk about bespoke. So it's very individualized to the person you're working with. But then I also hear holistic. 
because it's not just one area of their lives that you're focusing on. You're taking the whole person, you know, and I think that is just absolutely fabulous, you know, because we are whole people. You can yeah. find a lot of people to work with that can can work on one thing. And I really encourage you to know, get your yeah. team. And if you have one particular area that needs a specialist, you go do that. You know, I have right. some areas of specialization as well. But I think one of the things that often is lacking is that perspective of the whole person, like you said. Absolutely. So what are some of the biggest challenges that we, including myself as women, face for the women you work with? face when it comes to healing and fully stepping into our roles as change makers. What are some of these challenges? There's three main areas of that, I would say. One of them is self-belief. So one of them is I've tried everything, but nothing works. And I don't believe I can do this. You know, I don't believe that anything I do will make a difference. That Mm -hmm. could be on a personal level. It could be on a planet saving level. It could be on a parenting level. But that sense of futility and helplessness can can creep in and kind of take up residence in our souls, you know, and that's pretty common, I would say, sometimes conscious, sometimes not conscious. So we can develop limiting beliefs through our lives. Mm -hmm. We can develop beliefs about who we are and what we're capable of. So those beliefs are definitely challengeable and changeable in my experience, but Mm -hmm. you might need a little help. So that's one area. Another big area is, you know, I can't afford it or I don't have the time, like money and time. So my program's super affordable for that reason. I really want everyone to be able to access this kind of thing whenever they need it. So I deliberately have certain services that are extremely affordable. And I do that because I don't ever want that to be a reason that people don't feel okay. Right. Don't live their best life, you know. So I also notice that a lot of people will say, well, I don't have time. and Again, I do believe that that is something we can subscribe to, the busy myth, mm-hmm. you know, the busy. Like we're as busy as we choose to be. Right. We can create space. We definitely can create space for something if we need to. If you've ever had a sick child, you know, where you've got to make space in your life because right. you're sick, you do. And I think it comes back to that conversation we started with, really, that if you have a passion for something, you find the time always, you will, because you've driven to, because you have to almost to feel like yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the same with well-being. I think when we realize, oh my gosh, I'm in a, I'm in crisis and it might be a small crisis or a big crisis, then that's when you go, okay, well, I'm going to make this a priority now. You know, I'm going to make this my number one, because I realize that me not being me and me not being okay and me not having the impact I want to have in my life is affecting everything, you know. Yeah. So they're the challenges is to just get to those essential beliefs and get to those essential truths and define those and work out what's the puppet master here? Like what's the thing that is mm-hmm. controlling me in a way I don't want to I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be living. Thank you for that. So sometimes it'll be all three things you talk about. Sometimes it'll be one or the other. How do you start helping the women you work with start healing and fully stepping into their roles as change makers. Absolutely. I think the first thing that I really like to be very clear about is that you are the master of your journey. You are the Mm -hmm. one who decides. So if you feel like, and I mean, I've, I've been this person, right? I do this work because I've been this person and I still am. I'll give you an example. I recently went on a trip 
to Europe. I went with my 10-year-old daughter. It was amazing. And we got on a plane. We flew for 25 hours, as you do from Australia. And we flew over Europe. And because my family has the history of being refugees, or there was some, some genocidal issues in my history, you know, my family was decimated by politics. And as a result, I've actually never been to Germany. My family comes from Germany. I've never been there. And even though I hold a German passport, and the moment we were in this plane, we were flying, I was probably pretty tired. And I noticed on the map, the in-flight map, that we were flying over Germany. Right. And I felt this massive emotion. I felt a very deep kind of trauma get triggered, which I do from time to time. And I had a big cry on the plane, you know, and I realized that that feeling of an unexpected wave of trauma will always be possible for me because of my history, because of my family history intergenerationally, because of things that have happened in my own life involving domestic abuse, addiction, various things. There will be moments where something will happen in life and I will be triggered and I will fall apart. Right. That will happen. And what I like to do is give the women I work with tools in the toolbox so that when that moment occurs, which it inevitably will, I I don't believe that you necessarily ever recover full stop from trauma. What I believe is that you are constantly recovering. It's a spectrum and it comes and goes. And there'll be moments where you have to be more active in that recovery. And there'll be moments where it's far more passive. But what you will do is you will integrate those experiences and they will become your superpowers. Right. For me right now, I'm able to tell you this story completely neutrally without falling apart. I don't mm-hmm. feel any rise in emotion. And I know a lot of people will relate to this, that there are moments in our lives where we feel this intense rise in energy, in emotion, because we're triggered or because we're activated by a trauma. Sometimes we know what it is. Sometimes we don't, you know. And the more we learn about ourselves and our histories and the effects of our histories, you know, Gabor Mate says this wonderful thing about trauma. He says that trauma is not the thing that happened. It's the wound that follows. It's the wound that we carry as a result. It's what happens after. And I believe that continues to happen. He swims every day. Whenever he books to talk, he's a world-renowned speaker. Right. What he says he must have if he's going to speak at your event is a swimming pool. Right. He has to swim every day. That's the way that he recovers on a daily basis. So for me, it's lots of different things. I do martial arts. I eat whole food. I meditate and rest and create a lot of space in my life. I have trusted allies who just listen to me, a partner that just listens when Mm -hmm. I have these things come up. There's lots of different ways. So they're all my tools in the toolbox. So what I like to do is I like to work with women to increase awareness because awareness is transformative no matter what. And then give them the tools in the toolbox in terms of what to do with that awareness and what to do when those things arise. And they surely will. There's no doubt. So that's kind of my approach. So that makes complete sense. And when that happened to you on the plane, I wondered, you've been traveling. And I'm just wondering if we're just more susceptible to those emotions when we are tired, our emotional reserve is down, and we're just less able to handle that situation at that time, which... 100%. We need time to rest. We need time to recharge so that we can better handle the 
circumstances and situations when they do happen. But I like the fact that you actually prepare your clients, the women you work with, to make them fully understand that they will be triggered. You know, and I think that is so valuable because knowing that they will be triggered, you give them that toolbox, you help them with having their arsenal. So when they are triggered, they are better able to handle it. And more importantly, I think, come out of it, you know, yeah, come out of it. it. Absolutely. It as a form of wisdom, a form right. of self-mastery. Right. The other part of it is to have that community space that holds you through. Yeah. I have even yesterday, one of the members in my community, and it's very small, they said, I just had this experience where I booked something for myself and then I realized it's untenable. My kids are still too young and I can't go, you know, and I was so upset. And we all just stepped in. We all just supported her. We were like, good for you. You worked it out. You worked out that it would be too much for you and your child and there's no rush and what a great thing and we love you. You kind of need people right. to support you through those choices, especially mm-hmm. as you're practicing and learning how to make those kinds of choices that are self-nourishing and self-nurturing rather than self-abandoning, you know? Right. So not to put you on the spot, but can you share with us a particularly impactful mentorship experience? One that just stands out to you, you've had many, obviously, that you've had with a client and some of the lessons that you actually learned from it. So one of the stories that I love the most, and it's a simple one, but I'm, I'm torn. There's two stories. Which one will I share? Share both. One's really okay. simple. There's a woman in the UK who's one of the members in my community, and she's a, a mother of one living in Thailand who was moving back to the UK. And when she came in, was really struggling with negative self-talk and self-criticism. And what she noticed pretty quickly, I noticed there's results often between one and three months of joining, that she noticed that her self-talk completely changed and that she started to make choices that really supported her to feel better. That was a powerful moment for me because I realized that we hadn't had a lot of interactions. It was just her Mm. following the very beginning of the program, but that awareness immediately changed her life because she was now being more gentle with herself and her child rather than being tough on herself and her child. And it changed everything. So that was one really powerful one, simple, powerful one. The other one is a story of a woman who also a founding member of my community, actually. And her daughter was the victim of a violent attack. And so her daughter had pretty intense PTSD Mm -hmm. and it threw her whole family into chaos because they were a really high achieving family. Right. I have videos on my website, actually, because her story is so powerful. But over time, I taught her, she wanted to fix it. She wanted to fix her daughter's PTSD naturally, understandably. But trauma doesn't work like that as we've just discussed. And so Mm -hmm. it was very interesting to see her family have to be called to evolve and they needed to learn to sit with and be with their daughter and hold space for her to go through what she was going through without intensely looking for solutions. And it called into question the way they had all, I guess, become accustomed to being, which was there's a problem, you fix it. You know, and it called into question how their intimacy had kind of suffered over the years as a family because they'd just become very, very good at going out into the world and achieving what they needed to achieve. And, you know, it's really effective and they were all happy, but they needed to now develop a greater intimacy and a greater emotional truth and a greater awareness at a deeper level. And so 
it was really amazing and it transformed her whole family. It transformed her relationship with her husband, with her other son and with her daughter. And and I'm thrilled to say that her daughter's now doing extremely well and their life has changed significantly. And she literally attributes it to one conversation that we had. She said, well, we did a whole lot of stuff, but that was the turning point, you know. And that for me Absolutely. was so beautiful to hear and incredibly humbling. And I, I don't claim credit for it. They did it. I, I love that just one small thing could make such a big difference for them and that I could be this tiny little kind of hinge point for them that had a big impact. That's beautiful, you know. Nice. So you said that video is on your website and we will talk about your website at the end. And then I'll also post it on the show notes so that anybody who wants to watch the video can do so. What is conscious custodianship? How did you first become interested in it? And what led you to pursue conscious custodianship as your life's work? Okay. It's interesting. So in Australia, we know that word very well, but in America, mm-hmm. not so much. We are learning from Aboriginal cultures. We are mm-hmm. learning from the Indigenous people of Australia. And I say cultures because it's a bit of a misunderstanding that there is one Aboriginal culture. There's not. There's probably over 300 that we know of, different distinct language groups, distinct legal systems, distinct cultural systems. So Aboriginal cultures are now, I think, really starting to be valued more in our country. And one of the beautiful things about that, because Aboriginal cultures are the longest running Indigenous people living on the land in the world. And we're starting to understand that there's so much wisdom in those cultures that we can learn from, especially when it comes to taking care of our natural environment and the planet and being more environmentally conscious and eco-conscious, whatever you want to call it. I don't talk about sustainability anymore because I believe we have moved beyond the need for sustaining our natural systems. We're now in a stage where we need to regenerate our natural systems. And sometimes I feel it's the same with our own health as well, that sometimes sustaining health is too low a goal. We need to regenerate. Fantastic word that's become more popular now. So custodianship is about taking care. It's about caring. It's about this understanding that We don't own the land we live on, the land that we live on owns us. So when we shift our thinking towards that way of thinking, there's an innate wisdom in thinking like that because it's, first of all, it's the truth. We can't live without food, water, air, and food, water, and air all come from nature. So we actually are beholden to nature. We actually are beholden to the land that we live on, but we've learned to think differently. We've learned to think that we own it and that its resources are there for us to pillage. And I believe that's inaccurate. So when did I become interested in this? Well, I learned, I've always been interested in it. I've always been, since I was a child, I used to play in nature and I used to create fairy gardens and, you know, like I mm-hmm. was always a bit of a hippie. But you certainly can lose that as you live. And I think when I was recovering through addiction and early motherhood and single parenting, I right. kind of came back to what are my values? You know, what are the values I want to give to my children? What's most important? And at that time, I learned about something called permaculture, which is actually an Australian idea, borrowed heavily from other things. But permaculture is a concept that ecosystems work together and sustain themselves when they're operating in their true nature and when they're operating properly, right? nature runs itself. So if you think of a forest, everything that falls on the ground is used 
and then it feeds back into the tree canopy, which then falls back onto the ground. It's a closed system. And it's something that we need to emulate. We need to create less waste with less inputs. So as we start to think like that, and I use these principles when I talk about your home. So how can you create less waste and how can you create more energy and food and the things that you need at home? So what can you grow and you know, less inputs, less outputs. How can you create more of a closed system? And when we start to think like that, oh, what am I going to do with this plastic that I buy? You know, how can I use glass jars instead of plastic? There's millions of examples. When you start to think like that, it changes the way that you live, changes the way that you buy, it changes the way that you think, the way that you eat. And it's really powerful. You don't do it all at once. So that's kind of one of the things that really fascinated me. What can I grow? Because homegrown fruit and vegetables are so beautiful and so fun for kids to get into the garden, get your hands dirty. So also we now know there's a whole lot of microbes in dirt that increase your mental health, that are really good for mental health, that that manage to help you maintain your gut biome, all of the bacteria that we need in our bodies to feed the gut brain because we have brain cells in our gut. And, you know, there's all this new research that's backing it up, the things that actually people have known for thousands and thousands, for of, thousands years. of years. So that's what custodianship is and why I'm interested in it. It's one of the reasons that I started my blog was to explore that more. How can busy mothers and single, I was a single mother who was working and studying. How can I bring those values into my home without a shed load of money and a shed load of time? You know, how do I do that align with my values in a way that's practical and that I can keep doing, you know? little by little. So little things that, you know, make make it better over time. What was the third part of the question? You made it a part of what you do and who you are, actually. It's very true. It's funny, my mother built a house when I was about five. She was a single mom too. She built a house and in the house, instead of a hallway, we had a garden. So it was stepping stones through the house and we had an indoor garden and we had a garden around the bathroom and it was a naturally lit and it was stone walls that were uncut stone. So really like bumpy walls. It was like a fantasy house, you know? And I think sometimes I wonder because I spent time in nature and I spent time in that house growing up, maybe that planted a seed, you know? <laughs> right. But maybe it kind of just put it in me a bit. So some of it to some degree is just who you are as a person and what you value. But also, I actually think the world needs us all to be a little bit more that way inclined. I think we're getting some pretty major alarm signals environmentally. The science is undeniable, absolutely undeniable. It's it's 98% of science, you know, and we use science in everything. We use science in medicine. We use science in the technology that we are using right now. Science is the massive part of what we do. And I think we have to just kind of swallow the uncomfortable truth now that we are creating a world that we won't be able to live in for very long. And that might be confronting for some people who don't believe it. And I think that I would just say, read the science. So I want to talk about your five-star rated podcast on Boxable. (laughs) says soulful inspiration for mothers with big dreams. What inspired you to start that podcast and why did you choose that name? It was kind of on a whim, actually. I just kind of made it up. I have inspired thoughts at times that I feel intuitive or or heart-driven, if you like. And that felt like one of those. And then I was pretty remiss. I didn't research it, but I think it's the only one called that as far as I know, which is good. But I, the reason I use that word, the reason it makes sense to me, I guess, is, is just that I think we often feel like we need to put ourselves in certain categories or certain boxes or, or limit ourselves if we want to go back to the language that we used earlier on. 
And often I think we do that unnecessarily when we don't need to. I think sometimes we think we have to choose between being a great mother and a successful business owner, for example, or we have to choose between being successful and taking care of the planet. We have to choose between, you know, we, we make these arbitrary choices. We set up these either ors that actually may not be true. I, right. I don't have to choose to be either a good mother or successful at work. That's right. incorrect. There are mm-hmm. a lot of ways to be both, a lot. Mm-hmm. And I support that wholeheartedly. And I think it's really important to challenge those things. I also think we sometimes feel, I certainly have felt many times in my life that I had to choose one thing to be. I have to be only a mother or only a filmmaker or only an educator. I'm not. I'm a martial artist. I'm an educator. I'm a mother huh? and I'm a business owner and mentor. I'm all of those things. And to to choose one box is selling myself short and, and cutting myself off from things that I love. You know, I'm a big believer in multi-passionate being multi-passionate. And yeah. I don't think that makes you any less good or any less successful or any less. That's the idea. So I'm going to wrap things up. And you know what you just said ties into this last question I was going to ask, because as a busy mother, when you came on, you just dropped the kids off and an entrepreneur. How do you manage to find the time to post and produce a successful podcast? maintain your blog, your mentorship program, and at different points in time, memberships in the UK Ethical Influencers Network, an expert panelist for the Australian Clean and Conscious Awards, and the list goes on and on. How do you ship it all together? Well, I have a lot of support and a huge, huge part of it is self-compassion and flexibility. Mm -hmm. So I, I just don't overcommit. I just I do things as and when they need to be done. I progress very slowly. My business grows slowly and that suits me just fine. I don't want to make a million dollars this year because Mm -hmm. if I did, I wouldn't be able to do any of those other things. I would only be doing. So I actually really like to normalize slow progress. Right. you make time for what you love. So right. I got my black belt as a martial artist last year. Yeah. So the yeah. focus last year was have keto training and it was the priority and it eclipsed everything else. But I also was a panelist for the Clean and Conscious Awards. I also worked part time as an educator for a local institution, you know. And so I do the things that I choose to do and I carefully manage the time according to my priorities. And I also put a lot of buffers in. So I put a lot of time, like after this, there's nothing on my calendar for an hour so that I can go and do the washing up. I can take a breath. I can make a cup Mm -hmm. of tea. I can put away some clothes. You know, they're the things I need to do today. So I create time in between and I make sure that I honor my own need. And it makes me just more efficient and and a happier person. (laughs) Right. So before we wrap this conversation up, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners where they can find you, your website, social media, and things like that? Sure. So you can find me on social, Soul Mama Hub, which is S-O-U-L-M-A-M-A-H-E-B. But I would like to offer your listeners a a free guide if they would like Mm -hmm. on the top three secrets for healing from depletion, because I feel like a lot of us can get very depleted as we pursue all of our many goals. 
Mm-hmm. So that's my kind of freebie. And uh, right. and I'm more than happy to connect in the DMs or in the messages or just on my website, elenaturley.com, which you'll find in the show notes. Just get in touch any way you can. And I'm always happy to answer questions and, and serve and support women who have felt a little bit of a, a bell ringing through this conversation, you know, just right. get in touch with me. I'd mm-hmm. love to hear from you. And the episode when it airs will be linked to the webpage that will have more information about you too, in addition to the show notes. So thank you so much, Alina, for sharing your insights and experiences with us on Woman of Grid podcast. Really your dedication to helping mothers heal and become changemakers while living consciously and soulfully is truly inspiring. We appreciate your time and wish you continued success with your podcast, Unboxable, your blog, The Soul Mama Hub, and your businesses and all of your other endeavors. So take care. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. And I never say goodbye. I say until next time. So take care. I'll see you soon. A bientôt. Merci. So that's it for today's episode of Women of Grit. Thank you for joining us and don't miss the next episode in one week. And while you're waiting, you can catch up on previous episodes of our podcast on your favorite listening platforms, which you can access from our website, womanofgritpodcast.com. While on the website, you can learn more about today's guest and all our previous guests. Make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and rate the show to help us reach more listeners so we can continue bringing you these incredible stories of women who have overcome challenges with grit and determination. Thank you for your support. And until next week, remain ever gritful and never quit. It's always darkest before dawn, but light comes in the morning. Take care.